Welcome to the Coming Clean Podcast with your host, Peter O. For over 25 years, entrepreneur, speaker, and CEO Peter O. Estevez has built businesses all over the world, and today he shares his experiences, failures, and successes along the side of some of the most sought-after thought leaders to help you pave your way to success. Please welcome to the show your host, Peter O. Estevez. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Coming Clean Podcast. This is your host, Peter O. Estevez. And I am here for a new episode with none other than Mario Nafal. Hello, Mario. Welcome to Come and Clean Podcast. Peter, good to see you again. Likewise, Mario. Mario, you are the founder of the Athena Group Companies, a business conglomerate that operates in more than 40 countries. You started your first business with $300 in the back selling blenders door to door. What an incredible accomplishment, not only going to 40 companies, but you're such a young man. So tell us a little bit about who you are, what the Athena Group is, and what do you do? Yeah, so I love running businesses and I love dancing. It's all I do. Uh, Athena Group of Companies, it's a group of companies in B2B and B2C that, that I've just launched one after the other. So I started with Ecom with the Blenders and Juices, which is still my favorite company right now, and I think it's still my biggest. And since then, I've, I've expanded to well beyond B2C. So I've got, I'm a pilot of a law firm. I've got a crypto consulting firm. I founded a VC fund. I've got a growth hacking agency. So I've done a lot of things and, and a few other e-com businesses. So I, I love launching businesses. And uh, till about four weeks ago, that's all I did. Four weeks ago, I stopped launching businesses and I'm all in on Clubhouse. But before that, it's all business and dancing. But you, you're also the king or the CEO of Bachata. Tell us a little bit about that. I've seen a lot. I, I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. I, I travel the world dancing Bachata. That's my hobby outside of, of business. So I go out and dance bachata every, not every day now because of Clubhouse, but before that, I used to dance almost every day. And I travel, I'm going to Ukraine in two weeks to dance at a festival. So it's, uh, it's my escape from business. Look, my life is momentum. Like I'm obsessed with momentum and growth. That's what brings me happiness. That's what brings me fulfillment. So bachata brings me that because I'm always growing. I'm improving my dancing. Business obviously brings me that. You're launching businesses. Clubhouse, I'm building a community. So anything that helps you build momentum, uh, usually I, I, I get hooked to. Let's talk about Mario. Let's talk about young Mario. Where are you from and how did you get started into business? Because you went from completing the university to going to door-to-door lender salesman. So tell us a little bit about that journey and how you got there. Funny story, yeah. I was at university doing banking and finance in Australia and I was doing really well. And then I saw a video on YouTube. I was pretty young and I saw a video on YouTube of a boy called Farah Gray. At age 14, he made his first million dollars. I didn't know what entrepreneurship meant. I didn't know anything. And when I saw that video, I realized that, crap, you know, there is something called entrepreneurship. You can make money in your 20s. I immediately dropped out of university, got the first job I can get, which is door-to-door selling, which is so freaking tough. Um, and I started selling door-to-door. And what's funny, the story ends in a pretty cool way. Farah Gray ended up dropping in my room on Clubhouse. So wow. He's really, yeah, he's got a really big following. And uh, so he's a celebrity in his own right. And he just dropped into my room. I haven't seen, I haven't, you know, I've never seen him, never met him. I just saw a YouTube video many years ago and then randomly drops in Clubhouse. But yeah, he's the person that kind of triggered my first business or me stepping into my first business just by knowing he, he didn't inspire me or anything. He, just, he made his first million at age 14. And that kind of was, it was a little, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. But I've been entrepreneurial since I was a kid. Like I love lots of businesses. And I think it's my obsession with momentum that led to that. And you actually, you, uh, from 
some of the research that I've done, when you started selling blenders, basically door-to-door to businesses primarily, there were commercial vendors to coffee shops is my understanding. But you actually had, you put, you placed an ad that say, don't buy from my competitor, which is what we call today pattern interruption. So tell us a little bit about that, about that and how did you come up with that idea? Yeah, I didn't know what pattern interrupt means, but I'm a pretty aggressive person, ethical but aggressive, where I do everything, you know, like right now I'm, I'm suspended from Kabas for a few days because of some silliness. And I'm going, you know, I didn't sit there and wait. I'm doing podcast interviews. I'm, I'm going to the press. I'm fighting back against bullying on Clubhouse. So that's my personality. I'm always fighting. So back then, I wanted to build a business. And I was selling, a, I wanted to make money. I wanted to build a business to make money. So I was selling blenders on eBay. What led to my success is two things. I've always said that. It's timing, which is still the number one thing I look for now. And number two is just kind of aggressively thinking outside the box. I was the first person on eBay to put don't buy competitor. And that was the reason eBay stopped allowing that. And then I did it on Google. Google allows it, but people, competitors now can copyright their names. So it doesn't work as well. But I was one of the first few and I had a lawyer look at whether it was legal or not. And it worked really well. But that's just me thinking outside the box and not being too worried. And I think anyone that's new, that's entrepreneurial, like now I'm a bit more worried because I have a lot to lose. I've got a lot of companies. But when you're an entrepreneur and you're just starting out, you don't have any liabilities, any family, any bills to pay. You don't have much to lose. So going aggressive, I recommend it because they're fighting against Goliaths. And I was fighting against Vitamix, which was the Goliath back then. Now they're still a pretty big competitor, but we're, we're pretty strong. But they were the number one competitor. The only way for me to, to stand up to them was to make noise. So I tried to don't buy a competitor name and it worked. That built my business, that and the concept of timing. And you actually took that, you made a million dollars the first year, and then the second year you went into eight figures. How were you able to scale that so quickly? You ate exit. How did you do that? It's a basic concept. Jim Collins talks about it, the pebbles and cannonball example. It's you double down on what works. So I had something that works, so I went all out on it. It's that simple. And now, there are things that happen when you start scaling that quickly. Later, I had to build the systems out, to build the processes out, to build the right team member. And I, I know how to build those systems now. But back then, I didn't know these things. Yeah, so I, I just kind of doubled down. I went all in on what worked, ignored everything else, and just squeezed the lemon as much as I can. You know, you find those success stories. Like in the cannabis hype, a lot of people started their first business in the can- selling cannabis, selling CBD. And all they did was double down what works, crypto in the early days, without getting anything else right. Like you can get everything wrong. But if you get timing right, that's how important time. Bill Gross talks about it on TED. He says it's the most common factor around businesses succeeding. It's more important than than the business plan, the funding, the ID, the team, everything is less important than timing. If you're too early, it's not going to work. He launched YouTube back in the 90s. It didn't work because the internet was too slow. YouTube launched at the right time. Uh, you know, If you launch a restaurant now, it's, timing isn't the best. But if you get into Clubhouse now, timing is good. So uh, yeah. I was a big believer in that. Uh, absolutely. You know, Clubhouse, for, for the audience that does not know what that is, because obviously Clubhouse is only, is only about 2 million plus strong. It's in beta phase, so a lot of people in the audience may not know what Clubhouse is, and that's how you and I got connected. And, you know, first and foremost, I want to congratulate you for your success in Clubhouse. You have been a rock star there, and you created some incredible rooms. You created an incredible following, and I want to get a little bit deeper into that, but I think it's important for people to understand that you're legit. I think a lot of times, I think there's a struggle between the older generations and the younger generations, and there's also a struggle between the generations that have not been able to achieve success, understanding why young men the dances to bachata, travels the world, can be so successful and own 40 companies. For a lot of people, it's almost beyond 
being able to understand that because many people have worked hard all their lives and have not achieved the level of success that you have. So kind of take us to a little bit of the journey of your companies. How many companies do you have? What is some of the companies do? And the format that took you to Clubhouse to set up the type of rooms that you've been setting up. Yeah, so what people don't understand is they see the dancing, they see the life, they see Instagram, they think it's just a beautiful life. I just got it all easy. Man, so far from the truth. First, I got six, about six companies in, in, that operate in over 40 countries, not 40 companies yet. But the way I got there is I've sacrificed my life, man. Like, Peter, I genuinely didn't have a life. I didn't have a girlfriend until like my mid-20s, didn't go clubbing till my mid-20s, didn't, anything fun was not part of my vocabulary till now. Like, up to this day, all my life, never gone on this, you know, chit-chat with friends, never go on dates, don't go to restaurants and, and to the movies. I don't do those things. When I was on Clubhouse, ask anyone that knows me. Every day from I wake up till I go to sleep, all it was was Clubhouse. I wake up, I'm on Clubhouse, I go to sleep off Clubhouse. I wake up 40, 30 days, four weeks, nonstop there. And I'll be the same right after that. When I launched my companies, I did nothing but build my businesses. When I danced Bichara, it took me a lot. Every day I'll be training for hours. So I've sacrificed a lot. You know, I've, my struggles on, on Clubhouse is beyond what you just saw now. Now, this one's more public because I'm a bigger figure there. But before that, just before that, when JT, the JT Fox saga, people linked me with him, even though me and him have no affiliation. Literally, we've never worked together. We've only known each other on Clubhouse. We've operated the same room for three days. And I was under the pump with all these um, rumors about me. Before that, I was blackmailed on the platform. So I've, been, I've had my, my struggles on the platform. But people don't see that. People just see the big room, the success. They don't know that I'm paying a whole team to make that room. Built relations with all these people. The celebrities took me a long time to get on there. Like the day I got suspended was the day Randy Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg's sister, was going to drop by my room. We had it all planned. And then um, the drama hit and everything hit. And then she kind of, you know, celebrities don't want to, they, they're worried whenever they hear drama. Doesn't matter which side they're on or what's, what the story is. They kind of just eke out. But yeah, so Jason Calacanis most likely sent her a message saying, hey, don't jump into this room because he had the wrong perception of me. But yeah, like I've had to struggle through this to get to where I am. I'm grateful for the support though. Like I've been doing, I did a live interview just before this one. The support has been incredible, but it's, you know, there are people that get luck. I'm not saying there's no one that gets like it. There's people that are born to rich family and they use that money to build a beautiful brand. And there's luck there. But don't assume that anyone who seems young and successful has a good life. Don't just assume there was no sacrifices. It's a dangerous assumption to make. And look, if they were lucky, be happy for like If they're doing good things, if I see someone that was born rich and they're doing good, good for them. Like if I, was, I wish I was born rich, maybe it would have made my life easier. Maybe not because my story wouldn't be as sexy. But they're doing good. So that's my two cents on it. And I'm like the complete opposite of what people, you know, there's people that don't like people that sell courses, even though there's nothing wrong with courses. I've never sold a course in my life. There's people that don't like mentorship or coaching. I actually, first, I, again, I'm, I'm a big supporter. I've bought courses and stuff for my team. But I, I was on Clubhouse, Peter. It's in the early days. You know, you don't know a funny story. In the early days on Clubhouse, and JT knows the story because JT, JT said, someone asked a question. You don't know a funny story. Listen to this. Someone asked a question. And they said, I don't have much money, but I want a coach. How do I find a coach? JT jumps in and says, hey, you need to pay money for a coach. You can't expect someone to coach you for free. You know, time is money, which is a good point. I respond, and I was still a small fish. I was just starting out a few days into the platform. I'm like, no, JT, I disagree. I think people, there are business owners that will help for free, maybe not to the same level as coaching, but you can find someone that will help you for free. There are people that will give without asking for anything in return. They're not easy to find. So I said this because I was a small fish, a big celebrity, not JT, JT supported me. That's crazy. A big celebrity kicked me off stage. And since then, I've just been blocked from many rooms because I was the guy that was anti-courses. 
even though I'm not. And now four weeks later, I'm the one that is being attacked for selling courses, even though I've never sold a course. There's a lot of struggles to get to where I am, man. There's a lot. And I see that. You know, I, I made my success early in life. By the age of 24, I had made several million dollars. But it, it, it was much like you. You know, I worked. I found a niche in the marketplace. I carved it. I carved it. I worked hard. I didn't have a girlfriend. I didn't have friends. I didn't have a social life. I didn't party. I didn't do anything. It was work, work, work. I was the first one in the office, the last one out of the office. And it only took me 25 years to be a success overnight. So I understand. I get it. I, I respect work ethic. I seen you in the rooms. I seen how hard you work. I also seen something that you have pollinized uh, your personality throughout the platform where you, you have been at multiple rooms. If people want to open a, up a room, they want to be associated with you because they know that you're going to that you're going to bring the numbers up, the number of people that are going to show up in the room. Do you think that that has hurt you, Mario? Do you think that, that that has affected you? The fact that you have been in several rooms, that type of polarization you think has affected you? Look, there is competition, okay? And it's expected. There's people that are competing for different rooms. And that's expected. Like, I expect that. I respect that. This is competition. But I've also had a streak of bad luck. I'll give you an example. Me speaking up and having a big celebrity kick me off, that doesn't happen every day. And what I said was not too polarizing. I'm just saying that people can help you for free. I'm sure you know someone that would have given you advice and not asked you for something to pay him. Absolutely. I do it all the time. When people, they send me messages, I give them a 15-minute 15, a 15 consult. I do it all the time. So, yes, absolutely. I agree with you. That's what I said. Like, you don't have to go for the celebrity big names to get a coach or a mentor. There are people that will help for free. Um, and if you can afford a mentor, great. That's another level. It's really good. And I got kicked off for that. That's bad luck. Another one is me when JT Fox did his room. I was not in that room. I was sleeping. So the deal that me and JT Fox had, he'd be talking. I sleep. He sleeps. I wake up. I take over. When I take over, everything's smooth. When he does his thing, obviously, there's a lot of fireworks there that I hear about the next day. So I copped it because I was sitting there. And now with the Jason Calacanis thing, do you know how it happened? I actually was in the room where my understanding is that he went into that room and took a screenshot of the people that were that were in that in JT's room, and that kind of started it. That's my understanding. But that's number no, that's not that's number two. Okay. Number one, he he went. That's what led to this attack. Is he went to uh, not my room, Summit's room, who I work with. Summit had a room, and usually what Summit does, he leaves it overnight. He goes to sleep. I go to sleep, etc. While again, while I'm asleep, <laughs> Jason Calacanis jumps in. He starts disrespecting one of the girls that sells courses. Her name is Lauren. Really nice girl. And I think from what I see, she seems legit. Very, very kind, very nice. She sells courses. So he, they go back and forth, but he was apparently disrespectful to her. And then someone else, one of the moderators, moves into the audience because he's being too disrespectful, which I think was not right. Like, I'm not a supporter of that. I wouldn't have done it if I was there. But moves into the audience, and then he goes on the full attack. Now, I was, again, asleep. I was one of the moderators there. That's what happens. When you sleep, the top moderators stay there, and they take shifts. And then I cop it. So he goes on the attack, takes a screenshot of me and others, labels us as an MLM scam, etc. Even though I don't even know how to start an MLM. I, I literally don't know how to even start one. And it goes on the attack, but then he puts me as the target because I'm the main one. So I got the biggest room and he thought I was leading that group of people selling courses. Anyway, so he made that assumption and then uh, people went and reported me, assuming that I'm part of whatever scam he's talking about. Then he made a tweet when he realized he messed up. A lot of people messaged him. He made a tweet that, hey, you know, Mario doesn't sell courses. So that's, again, bad luck. I wish I was awake. Let me ask you a question, Mario. With what you have experienced in Clubhouse in, what, two months, maybe three months that you've been under, what will you do different today? One month. You've been there one month? Wow. That's incredible, Mario. 47,000. You're one of the most 
known personalities in Clubhouse. Your rooms are the ones that command the largest audience, and you only want been there one 30 days. That is incredible. Congratulations. And no, no, man, no connections. There's not anyone there. I came in as the, and I, I, I struggled a lot to get, because when someone's rising, a lot of people try to bring you down. So I struggled a lot. But yeah, I had no connections, nothing at all. Uh, but the question, sorry to interrupt. Hey, what hey, was the question? Hey, my, my question is this. What would you do different now that you see how controversial it can be? Okay. Would you still do rooms where you are sleeping and room hopping, for lack of a better word? What would you do different today in order to avoid some of the controversy or some of what people may perceive? I don't see anything wrong with that, Mario. I don't see anything yeah. wrong with me being in multiple rooms at the same time. I look at Clubhouse as a mastermind or a lecture room, right? Like I'm at, at a university and I can go from lecture to lecture and listen to whatever I want to. That's how I look at it. So what you mean for anyone that doesn't understand is that right now there's a, a flaw in Clubhouse. No one's doing it anymore. But there's a flaw in Clubhouse that you can actually use different devices. Some people use three, four. There's one person told me they use seven to be in different rooms at the same time. Now I do it in a different way. So when you're speaking on Clubhouse, you have to wait your turn. You have to speak for you have to speak. And they can't keep speaking because there's a lot of moderators. Unless it's your room, you can speak as much as you like. But if you're in someone else's room, you respect other moderators unless you're hosting it when they ask you to host it. So what I do, instead of listening and then sitting there waiting 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and then speaking, what I did is I went in two rooms and I had my assistant there. I would speak in one, jump to the other, listen, listen, speak in the other, jump. So I can give value in two rooms. So what I do is I'm not harming everyone. Now, obviously, there's some people say it's an unfair advantage. And it's a tricky thing because everyone was doing it and they would sit there. They would not talk. I'm always talking because I want people to know me, not just sit there and get empty followers because the follower count doesn't matter. Followers that know you is what matters. So when they see your name, they're like, oh, that's Mario. Because when you get when you pop up. So I had to make sure people know me. So I would go in two rooms, not more. And I would speak in one, then speak in another. And, and I wanted to do this until it doesn't last anymore. And then I had to think about it like all the other. So we're competing, a lot of names. And everyone else is doing it. You know the feeling. If everyone else is doing it, then why not me? Assuming there's nothing wrong with it. So if I'm sorry if I was doing something unethical or, or illegal, of course, then yeah. yeah you're going to say, oh, why not me? I should do it too. But when everyone's doing something, there's nothing wrong with it. And I was doing it again differently. I would speak in both rooms. Nothing wrong with that. Would I do anything differently? I generally can't think of anything I would do differently. Like sleeping while in a room is, is extremely common practice. Like very, because you have to take shifts. So your position stays there. It's, it's common practice. Like you build up a room and you sit there. It's called parking. I generally, probably the only thing I would do is like I'd give rules for my team. Like, hey, while I'm sleeping, make sure you don't kick anyone to the audience. Make sure you treat everyone with respect. Like we just, I don't want things to go down when I'm not there. They could backfire me when I wake up. But at the same time, like, I got a lot of traction so quickly. And obviously, when you get a following, when you get a community, there's responsibility that comes with that. And I didn't appreciate, like, how big my name got because it's only four weeks. So I didn't know. Like, when I was suspended, I think, I think I still am. Let me check. When I got suspended, the amount of DMs I got was fascinating. I just did not expect this at all, at all. Genuinely didn't expect it. So it's more caught me by surprise, change anything very minimal to none. Because honestly, there's not much I could do because everything that happened is not me that did it. So things beyond my control. So that'll be, that'll be my answer. What would you like Jason Kalakanis to know about you? If you were to have a conversation with him, what would you tell him? What would you want him to know about you? That he's fighting someone who's fighting his own battle. Like I made a video called F Paid Courses about eight months ago. I almost created a website with Tom Nash, who calls that, he's a YouTuber that calls out a lot of uh, scammers. Yeah, I'm friends with him. Sure. We almost made a website together calling out fake gurus. Tom Nash and me are really cool friends. Tom Nash wanted to create a course with me to teach people YouTube. 
I still haven't done it. So I'm the guy who's worried about, like, I don't, I don't have anything against courses, but I have, I don't like unethical or fake courses that promise the world. That one I don't like. So I'm in the same position as Jason. And I was caught on the crossfire. Like I, I wasn't targeted by someone, you know, you know, like in a war, you actually shoot, uh, shoot allies or shoot people that are on the same side. That's exactly what happened. And I've always said, I don't like people with egos or that are not self-aware. Jason has an ego. Why? Because when he realized he messed up, someone who's humble will immediately say, hey, I messed up. My apologies. That's someone that's humble. I love doing that. I love apologizing like this. What Jason did, it took him forever to, to apologize. And his apology was not an apology. He's like, Mario said he doesn't sell courses. Instead of just Googling and confirming. And then right after they made another poll, say, hey, I found this video money is selling a course. Um, like, what a liar. But you just check the video. There's no course that's paid. It's a free course because I, I use it as a way to build a community. So if Jason knows about me, what I just said now, but I don't really care how much he knows about me. I like What Jason did, I don't mind. I don't mind being targeted. I generally have a very, very thick skin. I have a pretty comfortable life. I'm happy. I'm fine. I don't like rumors that are false, but it is what it is. But what bothers me when, I, when my voice is shut down, when an account is suspended, it's a bad feeling because you have no voice. Absolutely. Will you imagine what Donald Trump went through as a president of the United States and being suspended on Twitter? I mean, can you imagine that? And your experience is this at a much smaller scale. But you know, something very interesting, Mario, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but something very no, interesting. It's fine. You know, what I notice about JT's situation is that he has this emerge larger, bigger. You know, when he was suspended, his account was under 55,000 followers. He has over 70, 17,000 followers. And there, but there's something that he did that I found very interesting. And I actually sent him a message after he did this. When you were suspended, he went into your room. And he basically lobbied in your favor. And he gave a very, very, very heartfelt talk about how he felt and what a nice guy you are. I want to say something about JT. Look, what's, it's very fascinating me, JT. He sells courses. He makes all his money on coaching mentorship. Not all, a chunk of his money. I don't know. I don't even know much about his businesses. I've, I've never even looked him up. But he does the this. I'm the opposite. He attacks people. I'm direct as well, but I'm much more empathetic. So we have very different styles. But we have such tremendous respect because when he went down, I never spoke against him. And when I went down, he supported me. When I, remember when I told you I got kicked out by a celebrity on Small Fish? He was probably the one that stuck up for me the most, him and, and one or two other people, the most. He's, he, he didn't have anything to gain. I didn't have a big room, nothing yet. I, okay, I had an, a one big room, one or two days big, and then I got shut down. And my room was doing okay, but not as big as it is now. I didn't have the same name as I had now. And he stuck up for me. And now when my account went down, he stuck up for me. So what's fascinating about me and JT is that when you have people that, are, that think differently, it doesn't have to be enemies. You know, I hate people that are binary, good, bad, my friend, my enemy. And, you know, there's a book that talks about billionaires. One of the most common characteristics among billionaires is they're not binary. So me and JT had that approach that, like JT never, never let anyone block me. When, he, when I was weak and he was strong, he supported me. And when he was weak, I was strong, I supported him. We still disagree. I don't like the way he treats people sometimes. Another funny story, like this is a movie. You want to know something? There's a gentleman, his name is Shane, a really nice guy. When my account got suspended, he went out of his way, still supporting me till now, it's temporary suspension. He supported me till now. He managed through his connections to contact and jump on a call with the co-founder of Clubhouse. Wow. Which no one can reach him. I've got his emails. I have Rohan's phone number as well. 
that Rohan wasn't too happy about it because he got biggest problems to deal with. But he managed to deal to, to reach out to him. Now, the reason why he's fascinating, Peter, he was in a room with JT. I was there as well. JT and me were there. And he pitches. JT attacks him, apparently, and, and it was really not aggressive, but it was shut him down. I stick up for him. I'm like, no, man, I think you did good, blah, blah, blah. And the guy tells me that story. He's like, Mario, you actually stuck up for me when JT and others stood up, stood by JT's side. And that story, and now I'm supporting you. I got that in return. That story is fascinating for, for two things, two reasons. First, how I got the support of someone like that just by doing good. When you do good, people sure. reciprocate. It's fascinating. And when you do good at scale, it's the best thing in the world. The second thing is the most fascinating thing is that on stage, me and JT disagreed with this guy's pitch. Me and JT disagreed a lot on stage. I'm sure we'll argue one day, and I cannot wait for us to argue one day on stage. I love that. And when I got shut down in the early days, I was speaking against JT. He didn't shut me down. Someone else did. I explicitly talked against JT and he said, you need to pay coaches. I said, you don't need to. JT had respect for me, supported me after that. And someone else removed me and blocked me. Someone else, another celebrity. And that celebrity doesn't like JT. So the irony is crazy. But it just shows that the relationship that we have, that we can strongly disagree with each other. And I look in the US right now is a perfect example of how I wish the system was, is that you could still disagree with each other, but still agree on some other things. That's my two points on JT. It's been a fascinating, ongoing story, me and him and me and others. And again, we disagree on a lot of things and we will continue to disagree. Absolutely. And it's healthy to disagree. I mean, we're not robots, right? I mean, we have to be able to have express our own ideas and our ideals. You know, what's very interesting is, and I had, I actually titled JT's episode, Polarizing, Controversial or Misunderstood. That's the title of his episode. It's a nice title. Nice and, title. I don't know the answer because I haven't looked into him. And all the drama that happened with him, I don't know it. Like, he did things apparently. I wasn't there. I'm going to give you an inter- interesting analogy, Mario, because I'm fascinated by sociology and, and by human behavior. And what I really think that a lot of the things that are polarizing about JT, and this is not JT's interview, but, it, but just in context, I'm going to use a, an interesting comparison. JT represents what America has been against in the last couple of years with, with the Trump. You know, the guy with the blue tie, blonde, Caucasian. So I think that attracts a certain amount of controversy against JT. That he doesn't even realize that that's why there's a certain amount of dislike towards him. He's the epitome of what people would call a Trump supporter or somebody that looks like Trump. You know, Caucasian, blonde hair, the tie, the red tie, the, the suit. And he's a very, very nice guy. I think he's very, very misunderstood. And you, in the other case, you remind me of a young John F. Kennedy, the dark hair, the, you know, tall, handsome, nice guy, you know, polite and, and everything. So I can see where people will come in roast to support you. And I can see where people were trying to take JT down. I find it very fascinating how we're living out these scenarios in such a small platform, but the problems are still the same problems as society. People have, they conditioned to make up their minds about how they feel about somebody. And it doesn't matter. You can't change their mind unless they're ready to do that. So I found that uh, analogy interesting. At least I do. Tell me your feedback on that. It's interesting. I said to JT, like, I can't support him or be against him because I look at action. If he disrespects a woman, or if he says something racist or wrong, like me and him, when we jump on calls, we disagree. If he says something wrong, he knows it's not going to happen on my stage. Now, wrong is a subjective term. And I've never heard him say those wrong things because it happened when I wasn't there. Right. And, but I've disagreed he could be too aggressive. And again, some sure. people will tell you how we, we mean him clashed it. And I love being the black swan. Like if everyone in JT's room, you know what happens? If the leader says something, everyone likes to agree with him. I love to be that black swan disagreeing. If I think I should disagree, I speak my mind. Um, so my two cents on what he said, 
sociological um, uh, perspective, I don't know. Um, you're smarter than me or you're more, you're more into that than I am. I love to study people, but I always consider myself a student. So I love listening more than talking on that behalf. But I do think that we are very different in some ways, but we're also very similar in other ways. Like we both speak our mind. We both stand for certain values. You know, he supported me when no one else would, even though it was the uncommon, like he could have caught backlash for supporting me in the early days when people were trying to bring me down when I was growing. So he stuck up for me, etc. And I know he will, even if I'm, I'm facing heat, I know he will. But at the same time, we disagree on certain things in the way we talk, the way we disagree with people. He could be more harsh. I could be more understanding. But I think he's more free speaking than I am. Well, I think at least he was before the backlash. But again, I don't know the full story to be able to comment on specifics. I do know what I know about him. And I do know that I would love to disagree with him further. Yeah, absolutely. He's not censored. He doesn't censor himself, which I also like about him. Uh, so let's, let's talk about where do you see Clubhouse or where would you like to see Clubhouse go? What do you think from this last 30 days that you've been on it, you experimented, you, you've grown rooms, you think you're going to be able to come back and continue to have the large audiences that you have had in your rooms? Where do you see the platform going and what do you think the benefit of the platform is today? Yeah, so in terms of my comeback, it should be either the same or better. Like everyone's saying you should come because there's a lot of messages coming. We miss you, miss you, miss you. That's sure. good. They're creating scarcity, which is pretty cool. I don't know how the comeback will be, but I've got tremendous support. So the difference between me and JT, JT was very polarizing. On my end, it's, it's, I've got a lot more support than him. So he's copying a lot of me. So he's had more backlash than I have, uh, a lot more. Like I haven't had much backlash at all compared to him. Uh, I've had the opposite. So I, I'd expect my comeback to be more smooth than JT's comeback. So JT's got a really big room today. I was just looking on the platform. So he's doing well now, but it was a struggle for him to come back because he was very polarizing and, and he's very toxic. A lot of people stayed away from him, but he's getting their support again. So that's JT. From my end, obviously, I didn't, like, I was more of a victim than anything. Like, I didn't, I genuinely didn't do anything. If I did, I'd, I'd own up to it. So my comeback should be more smooth, but more on what matters for the audience is where Clubhouse will be going. What Clubhouse needs to do is remember how imperfect humans are. We're extremely imperfect, beyond belief. I don't think we even realize how imperfect uh, you know, we are with all the cognitive biases that we have. The law is there to cover for these imperfections, whether we like it or not, and the law is very, very imperfect itself. But you kill someone, you go to jail. You steal money, you go to jail. So there are those rules to ensure that we operate, that we control our emotions, people that have, you know, psychological issues are, you know, they know their boundaries, etc. You get my point. So there's laws and systems there and accompanying their systems to avoid fraud, to avoid people stealing from customers. So systems are there for better or for worse. You need some sort of level of systems to allow for humans to operate without the drama. Clubhouse is very new. Okay. The system, the law, which is the algorithm is very immature. The fact that you can remove people from to the audience without knowing who did it or anyone can shut down a room that does create a lot of toxicity because I bet you right now, if you could know, if you can remove someone from a room and you could know who did it, that drama will stop. You probably heard about the drama, how everyone's kicking each other out. So what I think should happen next is definitely the algorithm needs to mature, needs to allow a better system for people to operate and not without these things to happen. Now that balance is very tricky. something I won't comment on because how much is too much and how much is too little is really hard. And that's something for them to figure out and where they want to strike that balance. But that's number one. And the fact that you can suspend someone so easily takes forever to get it reviewed is number two. And you know, I'm, I'm a victim of that as well. It's very easy to get people suspended all the time. People get suspended all the time. And number three, to answer where Clubhouse is going, it's fascinating. 
the only risk they have is the level of toxicity. A lot of people are telling me they're leaving the platform because it's become too toxic and because of the drama. However, I think they've got a lot more going for them than the, the problems they're facing. I think they've got tremendous potential. I don't know their churn rate, their retention rate, but it looks pretty solid. There's a lot of people obsessed with the platform and it's still in beta phase. So personally, I think the platform is going to kill it and we'll see how Twitter Spaces and Facebook's competitor goes. They, they got Facebook developing a competitor uh, as always. Uh, so we'll see. So we'll see whether Facebook will acquire Clubhouse because you know Mark Zuckerberg uh, appeared on the platform on Clubhouse not long ago. So we'll see if Facebook actually acquires Clubhouse or they're in talks right now or whether they'll, they'll uh, copycat. Is the moderator batch a batch of honor or a batch of power? Um, it depends on how you treat it. So it could be a badge of honor if you're there just giving value, not playing the games. And it has power as well. But if you don't leverage that power, is it still there? Maybe, but you're just not leveraging it. But people want it. It's a vanity metric. It's a way to get followers. That badge, it's important. Like I get messages every time in my room. I get messages from people. Can I be modded? Why is he modded? Not me. Or why is she modded? Not me. So it's drama that I have to keep facing, which is nothing major. I have a team that does it. I just kind of moved away from it. But it is what it is. Uh, is... Clubhouse, a true business generator. Is there really business opportunities? Have you generated any business opportunities from there? Or is it just a funnel to create relationships and to create leads? But relationships and leads are business. I would say the best way to make business is sell a course, a program, mentorship, coaching, which is something I don't do. But I've heard people make a lot of money selling courses, a lot. But I much more prefer the opportunity of doing strategic partnerships, buying businesses, We've had some in my room. We've had so my room is called the round table, which you've been to many times. Sure, sure. At the round table, we've had some of the best pitches, some of the best partnerships being formed. The quality is really high, surprisingly high. So I think the real potential is in the relationships, which again leads to business and the ability to acquire business. I'm working with someone called Nick Bradley. We're acquiring businesses. I, I know Nick. Nick has been on my podcast. Yes. I love Nick. I love Nick. He's yeah, really, really cool. Really nice. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a, he's a great individual. You know, the, the platform gives us everything a human needs to be excited, to be motivated, and to be addicted from adrenaline, dopamine, to oxytocin. You know, I find myself that my regular sleep patterns are completely out of whack, you know, because I go in there and I say, oh, I'm just going to listen for a minute. And then I get pulled up on the stage. And then I also find it disrespectful for me to be pulled up on the stage and just leave after I comment. You get what I'm saying? I just, I don't want to go into a room that has, you know, a thousand people or 500 people or even two people for that matter, and then have them hear my voice and then leave the room. I find that very disrespectful. I'm old school. I'm traditional. What is the clubhouse etiquette? How do you see that? How do you perceive that? I leave, but I kind of do it gradually. I, like, I don't leave immediately. When I had two phones, I'll just give it to my assistant. He'd listen to me. He'd listen for me. And so I don't leave. And then he'll tell me if I'm needed. But in terms of the etiquette, to answer the question directly, I think it's evolving. It's just too early. Like everyone's just trying to figure it out. Soon they're going to have different badge colors. But I, I personally, when someone leaves my room, etc., I don't usually get offended unless it's part of like the inner circle. We have like an inner circle that we support each other. We support each other. If someone jumps into another room that's different. Uh, but I'd be too busy hosting my room. So I haven't paid, off, paid too much attention to the etiquette. And I personally jump around rooms a lot to see which one's the most relevant. You know, if I jump into a room, there's a hundred moderators. I'm not going to stay there because I'm probably not going to get a chance to speak sure. and give value. But if I go to a room and I'm there with like four people and I'm, you know, they bring me up, hey, Mario's here and they bring me up, then it's much harder to leave. What's next for Mario in that fall? Clubhouse. Like I, I, uh, I saw the power of Clubhouse. I've got incredible momentum. And I talked earlier how, uh, I think it was on this podcast, 
how I, you should focus on what works and just double down. Yeah, I did. We talked about it. Yes. I lost my business. Yes. I just doubled down on what works. And I'll be doing that. Like the community, to build such a community in four weeks is incredible. The support I've got is incredible. Um, so I'll just keep doing this daily room as soon as I'm back and um, grow along with the platform. It's a really simple thing. Tell me a little bit about, I saw a video of you where you did the mansion. You rented a mansion, nine bedroom mansion, and you invited a host of collaborators, entrepreneurs, great people from your team. Are you doing that? Are you taking that off the road to different countries? What's your business plan or your business model on that? Yeah, so we did it in Turkey. We're doing another one again in a week. And the value is incredible. I have people around me that we work together. Now, obviously, Clubhouse changed a lot because like, I'm not, I don't have time to talk, we jump on a call or anything. I'm always on Clubhouse. But I just worked along with my team. You know, when you meet someone face-to-face, there's still something to it. It takes a relationship to a new level. And when you live with someone in a new house, it's another, again, a whole new level. And you go out and do things together. And so it was a group of us, some of the smartest people I met, and there's mainly growth hackers. So I had a growth hacking agency. I have a growth hacking agency. So I got some of the smartest growth hackers in the world, put them in one place. The ROI has been insane. Insane. Incredible. How do you want people to remember you in life? I don't know, man. I haven't thought about aging yet and, and not being in life anymore. That's one of probably my only fear. So um, I, I, my goal is to remember me as the guy that's still there. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I don't want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got too much to look forward to. Mario Nafal. Mario, thank you so much. Where can people find you on social media? And how can we serve you? I've seen the incredible work that you've done in Clubhouse. I commend you. I congratulate you. I applaud you and I support you. How can we support you even further through our community here? And there's not much. I, I never ask for anything. Uh, it's been always given. And, and, you know, when things get come back, they come back. So for me, I hope you found value in this video. If you want more of it, just Google me or jump on Clubhouse. You'll find the roundtable. But um, that's it. If you want to do business with me, I always find looking for partners. So just DM me. But otherwise, Peter, I'm, I'm really uh, grateful to be here. Mario Nafal, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Peter. Thank you. My position, you will never last. Nah, real talk, I had to get it from the Thanks for joining us today on another episode of the Coming Clean Podcast. Make sure to join Peter and his next guest on a brand new episode as we continue changing and impacting lives across the world. Share this episode with a friend, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Go ahead and get it fast. Get it dash in my position.